Hey everyone, D here. Welcome to the show if it's your first time listening and thank you again if you're regular here. We really appreciate each and every one of you. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes as we're really trying to grow the show and continue to expand our audience. Now in today's episode, we have the great and inspiring Ed Wisher. Ed is a friend of Doss's from a while back and a guy who I learned so much from in the short time we spent with him. Ed is a freelance photographer and videographer who left his corporate job a few years back and has since been working for himself. Traveling, capturing and creating moments that he brings to life through his perspective to his clients and followers. Ed talks us through the creation of the Human Happiness Project and Moments of Meaning and some of his learnings during those projects. He also tells his story about working a corporate job in sales and spending his nights educating himself and working on his true passion. It's motivating to hear how he describes his pestering, prospecting clients to turn his passion into a career and lifestyle based around his own terms. We talk about the ups and downs of the journey, the impact those around you have and his past, present and future goals and through all this there are so many nuggets of gold which will inspire you no matter what road you are personally on. We can't thank Ed enough for his time and how open he was in conversation. Ed brings a presence that makes you feel inspired and motivated to keep fine-tuning your passion and having a crack at what you really want to do despite what the world may think. So here's our interview with Ed Wisher. Enjoy. Welcome to the Doss and D Show. Two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives. The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy and happiness into their daily lives. Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way. Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now, let's go balls deep. How are you feeling this morning? Big man? Big man. Yeah, um, why, why did I go with big man, D? I don't know. Maybe because we're in the presence of a big man. Today. Oh, um, that was that was very smooth. No, yeah, we are. Uh, we're very excited. I'm very pumped for this one. We just had a, what a half an hour conversation, and I'm just ready to take on the world. So this will be a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest, Ed Wisher. Welcome, mate. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. No, we're uh, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, as I said in the introduction. I've known Ed for a little while, a few years now. Um, it's been a long time between drinks, hasn't it? It has been. I have we'll blame that on COVID, oh, well, not well, me being a piece of crap. <laughs> oh, and, and me also. And we live up the road now. so Yeah. We, oh, it's a bit of a way. It's at least 800 metres. So. <laughs> we don't have an excuse anymore. Yeah. But um, no, we appreciate you coming on, mate. I'm happy to be here. How has 2021 started off for you, mate? Being, a, a, I guess, a freelancer yourself. Uh, good. So, well, January slower and then... Yep. Feb started picking back up and then March has been flying. So it's been really good. Awesome. Yeah, so March has been my best month. Yep. And hoping to back that up in April. So it's been good. Awesome, mate. We want to tackle lots of stuff today, don't we? We got so much, mate. So how about we just start with the, the easiest question of, for us as hosts. Um, Ed, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you currently are now, and then we'll uh, break it all down shortly. So I am Ed Wisher, <laughs> Ed Wisher Productions. I am a freelance photographer, videographer, slash filmmaker, whatever you want to put, and marketer. Um, so I work with lots of small businesses and I'm starting to lead into larger businesses just to help them sort of sort out their branding across their socials and sort of get paid to travel around with my camera and take photos of food and people and you sort of enjoy Australia at the moment, which has been pretty cool. So I've been doing it for, I think I first picked up a camera about five years ago and then actually been actively freelancing for about two years since I left my full-time job. Yeah. yeah, that's gone quick, two years. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to chatting about that in terms of, can you go, actually, can you go back a bit? Let's, wind, let's go back 
you know, wind back the clock a bit. When you picked up the camera, because I'm intrigued. You started a couple of little projects, some creatives. Mm-hmm. Did the whole editing camera thing happen because of that? Or was the passion for photography and videography at the start? Or was the mission for something else to begin with? And then all of a sudden you found this passion for photography. The mission was definitely for something else. Um, I started, I went traveling around the world and as cliches around the world to Europe, as cliches as sounds. And then after I finished uni and then basically had a massive like, what? Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, go for oh, cool. It. What the <laughs> fuck am I doing? With we, my should, life? we should have warned him on that. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been like holding myself back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" I did a commerce and marketing degree, and that was more of a suggestion from dad. That wasn't an input that I had. So I finished it, and I was just like applying for jobs, and I was just like, "I am pretty miserable looking at what I'm looking at in terms of." 30 to 40 years in some corporate job and then you might get to retire if you're lucky, if you're really smart with your money. And it, I don't know, the idea, and you can ask my mum, if you ever ask me to do something that I don't want to do, you'll get about half a percent out of me. If you yeah. get me on board with something that I really want to do, you'll get 200% out of me. So the idea of getting pushed into a corporate job, which isn't something I've ever actually wanted to do, it was just dad was in business and I thought he's done well for himself, so this is a safe bet. And then when it actually came to crunch time and actually had to sit there and start applying for jobs and like actually looking and considering this rather than it being some lofty idea after I finished uni. Mm. I was just like, I really don't want to do this. And then I just, that sort of led down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of what am I doing with my life? And is this a disappointment from like being a, a child as in like my parents' child? And then that was sort of that conflict between what I should should be doing versus what I actually wanted to do. But the problem was I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started this project uh, when I first started, it was called the Human Happiness Project when I was talking about, because for me, that was always my goal and it was probably a bit shallow and ignorant when I, naive, sorry, not ignorant. When I started, I was like, I just want to be happy in my life. I don't really care about money too much. If I can feed myself, put a roof over my head and take care of the people I love, then I'm happy. Like yep. there's no, I want to be a millionaire or anything like that. But then I realized I didn't know how to define happiness for myself. So I started talking to people just randomly. There was no intention behind it, having conversations about what brings them happiness in their life. And it wasn't, there's was no plan to document it or anything like that. But eventually it came to the point where someone just made an off the cuff comment of, you should document this. This is really interesting conversations that you're having. So this was, oh, when was that? Yeah, 2016, 2017. And 2016 started 2017. So I just bought a crappy little Nikon camera for like 400 bucks and started recording these conversations, writing them down and putting them on Instagram because people wanted to listen to them and hear about them. And then it got to the point where I was super proud of the work and I was still looking for my jobs, not not that actively if we're fair. (laughs) Um, Still looking for jobs down that sort of commerce marketing path uh, for big companies and graduate jobs, but more focusing on this. And then it just got to the point where I was looking at this imagery of these artists and these creatives that I really enjoyed versus mine. I was like, basically, I was like, this is shit. So I started... Yours? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, there are, I think the intention was still there and like the message was there, but just like, you, as you guys know, everything has to kind of be perfect for people to really stand up and pay attention. Mm. So I wanted to, and it felt for me with the people that I was interviewing, they were giving me so much. I also wanted to give them my best. So I started learning about cameras and... Then it wasn't until I started getting into video specifically that I really started just diving down that rabbit hole. So it started with just like a photo of the person and us conducting the interview. I'd take a few snaps 
um, and transcribing it. And then I thought like, there's just so much you miss unless it's on video. Like you yeah. miss the, the body language and you miss the pauses in the conversation, yeah. you know, that a full stop doesn't do justice for. And, you know, you miss inflections and all this. Even like the sound of the person's actual voice. Yeah, exactly. Really good. Exactly. Well, you know, what's their voice sound like? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to video them. And they were just awful. I've looked at a few recently and it just makes me cringe. But, um, but at the same time though, I know it sounds cliche, but content is content yeah. at the same time as well. Yeah, yeah. And five years ago, yeah. you know, Instagram probably wasn't what it is now too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very valid points. But yeah, so then I just dived down this rabbit hole and I just sort of was watching movies and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I really like that style. So then the next video that I did, next interview, because I was doing like two or three a week at one point, I try and implement that new style and then just sort of started building this thing around it. And then... I got to the point where I was like confident enough doing these, like really confident doing these interviews and I was really proud of them and I thought they were quite high-end sort of pieces. I thought, and at this point I'd been, I'd gotten a job for Cadbury as, yep. a, as a sales rep and I just thought, I hate this job so much. Why don't I just try and use this for businesses? Because I know businesses pay photographers and yeah. videographers, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. I didn't know any photographers at the time. Yeah. It was just me and my little world. Um, so I approached a business owner Jim down at Laneway, who's probably been one of my biggest supporters over my thing. He was doing this big event and he already yeah, had a video. We, we want to get him on this podcast too. Yeah, he'd be good. Yeah. He'd be really good. Yeah. So yeah, I got I approached him because he's having this massive event with all these influencers and that was back in the day when influencers sort of meant a little bit more than they do yeah. now. And I was like, that's a good opportunity to get in front of someone. So he already had a videographer. I was like, can I just come in and be a pest and shoot for free? Like, awesome. I like um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, rocked up on the day like shitting myself like <laughs> so nervous like flop sweat I can still remember wanting to like vomit into my camera yeah, bag I really? went to get my camera yeah. out and I was like felt like vomiting <laughs> I was so nervous yeah. but um, shot it had a lot of fun and then I did it, I sent off the piece to Jim and I'll never forget this moment because I sent it to him and then about five minutes later I got a call a text back that just said can you please call me so awesome, I was like yeah. no I was like I fucked this yeah. Oh, he hates in your it. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's just like, nah, this isn't it. And then, but he just, I picked, I called him with the shakes and the sweats and everything. Yeah, and then he's just like, absolutely loved it. Like the other videographer, she just didn't get it. It was awful. Hated her work. And this is like a professional videographer. And at the time, I don't think she's doing it anymore. She was quite a big name in Melbourne. Okay. And not like saying that I'm better than her, but it was a huge validation for me to say that I can rock up there with my crappy little thousand dollar camera and do a job that mm. someone really loved that much. Yeah, and then from there I was just like sort of on cloud nine, and I just kept doing my thing. I was emailing businesses and calling businesses like, "Can I do some stuff?" And basically just got rejected for the next month. And he called me up probably four or five weeks after that, and gone, "Hey, look, I've just let go of the guy that does my socials. Can you do photos too?" I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." And he's like, "All right, so well, I want to offer you this much a week if you come in every week. You do this and you manage my social media because at that point my little project had gotten close to like ten thousand followers yeah. on Instagram." So he's like, "Well, you obviously know how to grow an Instagram account." Um, so I didn't really. I was just, <laughs> but it was more of those <laughs> like, say, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to say yes, and then yeah. I'm going to figure this out a few as I go. Hashtags later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, then it was when he offered me that. I was just like, I can legitimately make like a proper career out of this because it was getting paid every week. And at the time was a pretty good chunk of what I was making at Cadbury a week. Yeah. So I was like, this isn't, this has potential to be more than a side hustle because I was just going down there on Saturday mornings, taking a few photos, yeah. editing them up. So it was half a day's work mm. and I was making a fair bit of what I was making. Like it wasn't chump changes. It was good money. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, well... That's where my brain switched over to like, I can actually make a career out of something that I really enjoy. 
and sort of move forward to that. So then I just started basically pestering businesses, still working at Cadbury, probably being the worst employee in the world. But like, I don't. They're not going to listen to this. But like, <laughs> the, the amount of, the amount of time, yeah, just the, be nice to as well. The amount of times I'd just be like, so I had some clients. I, when I was the sales rep, I was all across the northeast, so all the way from like St Kilda, but it was a sort of wedge all the way up to like Ringwood and Warrandyte and then sort of ran there down through Knox and all the way back. Okay. Sort of divided by the Monash North up to Ringwood. Yep. And I had clients out there. So I'd just oh. sign into one of the businesses close to them and just go do shoots. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting, that du- getting that double pay. <laughs> we might have to um, beat down Cadbury now. But to be, to, to be fair, it reflected in my sales numbers. So, <laughs> But yeah, I just knew that's what I wanted to do and I was doing everything I could. So I was just a pest to everyone and then sort of got to the point where I was like, I really need a good portfolio. So I just rang businesses and I'm like, look, I'll come in and shoot for an hour and do it for free. You'll get content. And then I built it up to the point where eventually I got offered a pretty big contract that to the point where my Cadbury salary was being matched by my photography salary. Awesome. And, That's amazing. You know, and I was yeah. still working full time. Well, well full-time. you were working for Cadbury yeah. still? Well, I was still working yeah. for Cadbury. So I'm like... I'm out. Like, while well, I was still umming and ah, I say I'm out as if it was some like big pretty nice. moment. Yeah, like throwing yeah. papers in the air, but I was umming and ahhing. But then basically, I just got tired of the bullshit. Then something came up and I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm out. So yeah. then I just handed my resignation and then here we are. So, can I? I know we're going to jump around a little bit and we'll go down that path, but just before we move past, because I'm just interested in the human happiness project, did you find through those interviews? an avenue for your own happiness that led you down this career through having these conversations yeah, was there a moment yeah. or somebody or a conversation you can remember that stands out no it was a, it was a development over time like lots of the conversations stood out i'd say there were some that definitely humbled me in terms of the scope of my issues like i've had people mm. tell me that they've tried to commit suicide the week before Jeez. and they're here because you reached out to them or no, a few of them reached out to me. Like there was one guy in particular, Leo was his name, and he'll stick with me forever because he talked about how deep his depression was and how he lost his wife and his kids in terms of that they his wife left with the kids and he tried to kill himself several times. But just his honesty and he's and he was just frank about I still deal with it, but for me, even if I end up going down that path, I want someone else to hear it and be aware of that there are other people going through it and you're not some because a lot of them just feel like black sheep because mm. everyone does put on that face of I'm really happy and I'm really, you know, everything's amazing. Um, so I don't, that I think the thing that really stuck out for me and sort of, I guess, probably changed me the most about it was just the extreme selflessness that people can show, those sorts of situations, but also the burdens that everybody carries. Like, even if it's someone talk because I've, I've talked to people with the most extreme cases. There was one lady who was sexually assaulted by her father up until she was 16, and then she was married off by him to someone else who did it to her till she was 40, oh and then God. he ended up dying. Like, you hear about this stuff, but then you see the same sort of... You just see this incredible resilience out of these people, but then you can talk to someone who's just not having a good time at the moment. And if you look at it from an objective point of view, you can almost go like, and I think a lot of people do this day to day, they can just go... Well, harden the fuck up, you know, for someone that's stressing about their uni work. But if you actually pay attention and listen, you'd notice that the emotional strain that they're going to relative to them is the same as that person. Mm, Yeah. Um, To a degree, it's not that, probably not that black and white in terms of the the way that they process it and the way that they move through it. Um, And I know some people might hear that and be like, that's ridiculous. But that was from my experience. And it was more just to show that everybody has something going on. 
like everybody yeah. it doesn't matter how good your life is and it's probably part of the human condition like eventually something's going to happen that's going to rock the boat a little bit but i think for me it was really realizing it was a massive sort of spotlight of man how privileged i'd been because my f- family is like i've we'd never i've never wanted for anything mum and dad made sure that we had a very never went without yeah i wouldn't say like a privileged childhood because dad worked his fucking ass off and he came from a pretty not disadvantaged background but he wasn't wealthy but he's worked his ass off to get it but mum and dad made sure we always felt loved always felt safe to like you know bring things up yeah really privileged childhood in that sense so you're one of how many four four yeah so two older brothers and a younger sister so yeah it was just it just put everything into perspective for me in terms of like what everyone's going through and what the world and what just people carry so i think just listening to that a few times a week every week for two and a half years um was just it just sort of opened my eyes to what people are really going through Mm. you know and that just changed me. It just made me, I guess it just gave me more of a macro perspective and sort of took me out of my own little world. So, and I actively tried in every single interview to not put my personal biases or push a story where it yeah. was. So I actually talked very minimally. It wasn't like a podcast where I'd ask mm. interviews. Like, I don't know if podcasts are really the forum for it, but if you just sit there in silence, people will just keep going. Yeah. Especially mm. if it's just something they've wanted to get off their chest. So to just let them do that and let them tell their story without any sort of like, you know, you see it in like the media all the time. I'll push someone towards a certain sort of yeah. point of view that suits yeah. a narrative. So I just let them go. Like mm-hmm. it's record cameras. Tell me about yourself. You know, uh, I had like a few questions. But it was probably only four or five of them um, just to get someone talking. And then we'd sit yeah. there for an hour and just chat yeah, while wow. the cameras are running. Very yeah. powerful. Yeah. So, but yeah, it just it humbled me in the sense that I it made me realize that the things that I deal with relative to what other people deal with probably not that big even though they are stressful and everybody has a right to feel stress and emotional burden in their own right because you can only feel what you feel like you can feel empathy and compassion towards someone but you can't feel what they feel Mm. so you don't know but also it made me realize that i don't have i don't believe i had the strength to go through half of what these people went through and they just carry on with a smile so there's some pretty incredible people out there that will never get the recognition that you probably think they deserve um, and that's, you know, pretty humbling to think you, especially when I was a bit younger then, because I'm 29 now, turning 30 this year, I was 25, yeah, 25, 26, thinking I was king shit, mm. thinking I was invincible. And then you see, hear these scenarios and you go, I don't think I could go through that. And there's, you know, this 65 year old woman who's just, and she's happy. Yeah. What I find so amazing is like, we walk past these people in the street mm. and no one has any idea. Yeah. Mm. Like... Unless someone like yourself creates a platform and an opportunity for someone to talk about it. Like you yeah. said, just let them talk. Yeah. I don't think there's enough platforms like that. Like, you know, for that to be there, I like, and for them to reach out for, to you even is a, mm. you know, it's a, it's a huge credit to yourself. You know, you're not coming to us to come on our podcast. We want you to come on the podcast. Yeah. But for someone to reach out to you and go, hey, I want to talk about some shit. Like that's... I don't know how many people would do that. Yeah, what know? it does for that person that's talking... Like you have no idea because they could impact somebody else that reaches out to them and then suddenly they've got a new reason mm. or a new purpose. Like mm. it's so powerful. Yeah. And that's how me and you connected too. Yeah. Through that, yeah. You know? I did a podcast with someone and you heard the podcast and now we became mates through that. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, yeah. it's how things come together, which is nice. I want to get into the process of now you've you've explained the start you're at cabri you've realized all right this is my passion now i want to do this mm. what was it like so you said it your dad almost kind of pushed you to to do a commerce degree and encouraged you that this was the right thing to do going up in a family like that 
um, your father's worked really hard to provide what you guys have and you are grateful for that. What about jumping away from that stable job and having to go and tell your family and your dad this, like, I want to pursue this and it's not stable as such. I want to freelance. Like, how is that experience and, and the reaction? Well, dad thought I was stupid to be straight up because I'd got a promotion in the two years that I was there. So he's like, you've been promoted pretty easily and you're in one of the biggest companies in the world. What are you doing? And in the corporate world, everyone loves a sales rep, like in terms of like employers. If you've got a sales background, people love it. So he's like, I don't know what you're doing. And he's just very old school in the sense he doesn't really understand passion, but he also doesn't understand social media and that photographers are really valued now so he just has that old school mentality or did have that old school mentality of um just if you're a photographer you're going to be like begging for scraps sort of thing and you're going to be struggling to pay your rent sort of stuff so he wasn't really sure about it at the start it wasn't until he started seeing that i was actually getting a lot of clients and saw a couple of my contracts and he was just like couldn't believe how much money there was in social media and all that sort of stuff because he's just he thinks it's, he's like i don't know what you're dad's like mate or what your mum's like it's just yeah. like they think it's stupid my dad yeah. thinks it's stupid yeah. it's like why would you he just couldn't get it wrap his head around because I do so much food photography he's like so people pay you they will give you food and you take photos of it and they pay you I'm like yep yeah. and like, you get to eat it yeah. most of the time and he's like, he's like I don't understand and they pay you that much I'm like yep yeah. we have this conversation weekly on this show yeah. with our guests yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it's just he. but once he saw that I was really committed to it and I worked really hard at it and also from more of a stepping away from his being trying to be like a, a business mentor for me, which he, which he has been. And just being my dad, he saw how happy I was. And because he, he saw me at Cabri and he just said, he, I'd come home and I'd look like a ghost. Like I'd just be like, to be fair, that was because I was working nonstop. Because I'd get home from Cabri and I'd do eight hours on yeah. my stuff and then work all weekend. Mm. So but he just saw that I was like happier and healthier and he saw the business really taking off as soon as I left Cabri and freed myself from that. So he came around to it eventually and he's, he's one of my biggest supporters now. Yeah. Awesome, mate. That's yeah. awesome. So one thing we talked about earlier, I know we'll, we'll make this a bit more lighter towards the end and a bit more positive, but talk us through some of the things that... So at the start, things are going well. You're getting contracts. It's exciting. Mm. Now you're living your dream. But what about some of the things that aren't so... That we don't look at on the surface as It's not on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you yeah. mentioned earlier with work, you've got housemates, you've got a desk, you're trying to edit, but you can't concentrate because there's so much noise going yeah. on. Just some of those little everyday struggles that people yeah. don't consider when going down, following their passion. Yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> With, every, with all any good, there's going to be bad. And with any bad, there's going to be some sort of good. So it's that old sort of yin and yang. Like, I love what I do, but and I'm very grateful for what I do. But there are moments where it's really hard and I still have my doubts of like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, that doesn't go away. That never goes away. It was when I was leaving Cabri, I was like, is this the right call? You know, I'm leaving a job that's 75K a year in a car to go and do photography, which is going well now, but it might be going really shit. Like, I knew that it could go badly. Yeah. You know, next month. There's months where I do struggle to pay my bills in terms of, like, if you looked at just that month of income versus yep. my bills, it's a bit of a... It's just scraping through. But then there's months where I'm, like, soaring past it and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's, you know... Yeah, some weeks, some months you're having caviar, others you're having baked beans. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, well, it can really fluctuate. You're having baked beans, mate. <laughs> the months I'm having, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, so... It, there, there is a lot that you don't see with anybody that looks like they're killing it. Like, you, struggles don't go away because, you know, you're doing your dream job as far as I'm concerned. And there is the, and I'm sure you've heard it, 
I can't remember the saying, it's something about like, don't make your hobby your job because then it comes a job. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is that one. Like, I'm fortunate that it's not like that. As soon as I get out and I'm doing my landscape photos or I'm creating something for my YouTube or something for me, like that immense passion just comes straight back and I lose myself in that moment. Like, I feel sorry for my girlfriend because if we're going for a walk and I bring my camera, she's like, <laughs> yeah. this is going to take, this is going to, yeah. she's storm. like, this is going to take four times as long, isn't it? Yeah, you know? <laughs> You know, go to, oh, just pop down to Cape Shank. She's like, you yeah. bring in your camera? I'm like, yeah, probably. She's like, well, it's not going to be a pop down, is I'm it? I'm not coming. <laughs> She's like, I'm bringing dinner then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. stand there for 20 minutes waiting for the sun to move. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, so, and I still absolutely love that and love that process. But there are jobs that aren't exciting. Like I do a lot of business business stuff and I enjoy the work because it's not creatively challenging, but then it's not fun because it's not creatively challenging. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing like a demo for a new product or a new tool and it's just a business to business email marketing thing and it's just a two minute video of them talking about the product mm. that's not going to blow up on youtube and you know be really fun from that regard or something that mm. i'm going to be like that's going in my portfolio that's sick yeah so there are a lot of jobs that aren't the most exciting thing in the world and that's you know it's all fun at the start but then there are things that are going to emerge and i'm sure with you mate you yeah. probably get it with like editing podcast was probably really fun at the start and then it gets to the point where it's like you probably love enjoying like editing these still yeah but then there's some of your clients ones it's just like all right we have to trudge through this to get through it 100 (laughs) percent. so um and it happens with anything like the gym you love your gym yeah yeah mate you start when you're seeing all those gains and it's it's flying it's the best thing ever you can't wait to go next Mm. time and then you get down the road and you've sort of hit your natural peak and then you're just like fucking dragging your ass to the gym and you know you yeah, haven't... hit that plateau yeah, yeah. so good it happens to everything yeah. but yeah there's lots of things that you just don't see like um, like I was talking about you this morning I was doing all my invoices but yeah. nobody cared nobody wants to see a video of me doing my invoices for mm. three hours a week yeah. you know um, nobody wants to see me sending emails to clients or nobody wants to see me argue my rates with people or yeah. have discussions yeah. about that like there's non not fun bits that you have to take on when it becomes a career rather yeah. than just something like if i'm shooting for free it doesn't matter if they don't like the content or if you know they well whatever it is or they don't like the way i edit it it's like well it's for free so and it's all my time and money or time going into it so you don't get a call but when there's money on the line as well you know i have to bend a little bit and i have to do things where my vision might not align with clients visions but at the end of the day it's the client that's paying me so i have to do what they want that's a good point yeah so there's things where like that little bit of fun and creativity gets taken out of it and you have to use your business brain like you can shoot something that you think's amazing but if it's just like doesn't make sense to the client then you've just wasted four hours of your time yeah and theirs essentially so like there's so many jobs I do that you don't see on Instagram and you'll never see because yeah. they're not fun and exciting. Yeah, yeah They're yeah. not something that people are going to click on. Yeah. They're there for me. If someone comes to me with a job and wants me to do it and I can go like, yeah, I've done stuff like this before. Here's some examples. Yeah, sure. But like, they're just like, for instance, you probably only see about 10% of my work on Instagram. Yeah, to, that's, yeah, so so that's you think amazing. about the 90% that I don't think's that fun or exciting. Yeah. I still find myself in that zone when I'm editing. Mm. You find little things to sort mm. of cling on to. Like I enjoy like really enjoy looking at colors and how they interact with each other and the different sort of emotions they can mm. evoke and all that sort of stuff in the color science. That's my big thing at the moment, but it's still, you know, it might still be a demo reel for a fucking saw. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah. I literally edited one the other day and I was like, all right, I'm not excited about this. And that's probably the other thing you need to find what you love about it in that little thing and find something else to motivate you a bit more. I didn't love what I was doing, but I thought, 
hey, there's actually a really interesting color scheme I can pull out of this. So then I focused on that. Finding like the positive out yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, and then it became a job I really enjoyed. But if you had asked me before I started, Ed, are you excited to shoot power drills? Like, not really. <laughs> well, this is one thing we all have in common then. We're not the handiest men in the room. You know? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> I want to ask you about, just before you mentioned, you get home and your dad's like, oh, you look like a ghost. Like, you've come home after a big day and you're in your room now for eight hours mm. and you're smashing out. I think a lot of us don't really understand and realize people who have gone out and started something that that's, has, that's really what it has taken. Like working in a full-time environment, whether it's a cabri or you know whatever sales job someone has, then we want to do this thing. We got to go home and work on it for the next eight hours. Investing your time and in one educating yourself, two like I don't think people realize with someone like Ed, the amount of money that you're investing in it too. Yeah, and and even skills like I'm sure a lot of the stuff you know you didn't you didn't go and do a course on this. You had to no. you had to invest time and real energy into learning this shit. Like, yeah. Can you talk to us about what it takes, like in terms of investing in yourself to maybe become a master? I know you're not going to say you're a master because you're a very humble man, but I wouldn't say very like, humble man. Well, you're, uh, <laughs> I'm the but, fucking I'm the fucking best for you. You know. Yeah. You know. But, um, yeah like, what, what does it take to invest in yourself to become good at a school like this? I was I was thinking about this because I thought this might come up, and I was thinking about this on the drive over. I. Th- it's a weird thing because eight hours for me doing that is not the same as eight hours for me at Cabri. Yep. You know, and I think a lot of people, especially if you haven't died, like really just dove into something that you love and you enjoy, um, especially back then, it's like people that go home and watch Netflix for six hours. That was my Netflix. I loved it so much. It was so fun. I love personal growth or any sort of growth. If I can like actually see and not even measure, but just feel as if I'm moving towards something. That is just the most addictive feeling for me in the world. I love mm. it. So for me to be able to sit down and I'd be able to say so with those interviews, this next one is, even if it's marginally better, but especially at the start, because as it sort of grows, you sort of peak really quickly and then you sort of level off and it's a bit more marginal. I could see every video getting better and better and better. So it was addictive yeah. to me. So this wasn't like, oh man, I have to go slug eight out eight, eight hours. Like eight hours is still eight hours, but... It's like some, I've always compared it to people that just, that extreme socialites, they love going out to the pub with their friends for eight hours. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. So while the work was there, I'd say in terms of the hours putting in, it's harder now than it was then, even when I was still at Cabri, because it was something, I wanted to finish Cabri and go and do that as soon as I could. Like my camera gear was in the back of my sales car, yeah. Yeah. like so I could go and do shoots yeah. um, after work. Or um, midwork. Yeah, or midwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of extended lunch breaks. But, um, so it's like it's a weird thing. There was a time investment. I'm not saying I didn't work, but in my frame of mind at the time, it wasn't so much effort in terms of it was just something I enjoyed. It's just something mm. I really loved. I think that's what people sort of miss with the equation because they might go and try something. And I think you know, when you're really passionate about something and you really want to do something, you really know. So when you go like, Oh, I couldn't imagine doing that. It's like, because you're probably not, you know, really passionate about photography or videography. It's like, I don't want to start a podcast. So if I went out and tried to set out and tried to do as much work as you guys, I'd probably end up going, I don't know how they do it, but you guys love it. Mm. Exactly. So it's just like, it's a, it's a different sort of thing. Like you guys know, there's the flow state where time just melts away and four hours goes like that. So it's not like when you're at work, like I'm sure you had a (laughs) tick star and you've got with your job. It's like, sometimes you're just staring at the clock 
and then you stare at it again and it looks like it's gone backwards like it's, <laughs> it's not true, the same yeah. so it is. yeah i'm not trying to diminish the amount of work i did because i'm extremely proud of the work i did but i absolutely loved it and i think that's probably the key piece that people miss when they go yeah. like how did you do that and i was just like it's just what i love doing yeah you know you guys are here on on your friday you could be out playing golf you could be out doing anything you wanted you could mm. be sleeping in you could be watching netflix but this we is what could you could be love. working for an extra day yeah, we pay, could. really like <laughs> you know <laughs> details details yeah. but you know it's what you love doing so yeah. it's a it's a weird sort of thing i think when people go like i don't know how you go and work eight hours after doing a shift it's like yeah but you're kind of imagining doing another shift on top of yeah that's really good wording actually I, yeah. I love it because we talk about this a lot too because we, we got on one of our early podcasts and we talked about the expectations of life and society and, and why we, Doss and I, think a little bit differently in terms of, we're like you, we want to create our own stuff and live on our own terms and work on our own terms. Live a lifestyle-focused life. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But the trade-off for a lot of people, a lot of the feedback we got is people were happy to work nine to five because their trade-off was the weekend or their nights. And I just love what you're saying. And Ed's body language is great because Ed. when he talks, you can just see he gets he gets up, his shoulders roll back. You just pat, you can see the passion rolling yeah. off you. So, what I wanted to ask you, Ed, was we talked about some of the negative things, but on those tough days when it feels like a grind, what keeps you going? What gets you that passion? At least I'm not selling small. chocolate bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask what, you, what was your favorite chocolate yeah, bar? That's a good sell. question. Oh, I did love a, I do love a good picnic. Oh, I thought you were going to say crunchy. My yeah. least favorite picnic. Uh, Is it? Really? Yeah. Oh, there was one month where we were pushing picnics. So I had a box in the back. <laughs> I had like a, like a case in the back. So there was like 180 picnic bars and I think three of them ended up with customers. <laughs> oh, so, that's, that's fair. Yeah. But, so. um, but yeah, what, what validates your lifestyle now? Like those moments that really make you happy and smile and takes away suddenly the stress of the invoices and the stress of editing and the stress of boring projects where you just feel like, yes, I'm passionate. This is what I'm doing. I'm living a lifestyle that I'm happy of. Yeah. Uh, well, there's validation in the sense of from an external point of view where if I, even if it's not an exciting project, I send it off to the client and they absolutely love it. That's a good feeling to know that yeah. you've absolutely nailed something in their point of view. So, because there's always that doubt there about like, am I as good as I think I am? Because uh, I can't remember, it's some sort of law where basically you think you're better than you are up to a certain point until you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. So there's always that thing, am I in that space where I think I'm way better than I am? Um, so that's something I always like argue with. But the validation for any job comes from, for me, I just try, I try to sorry, I try to seek out what I can do better. So I will look at, like I did with the interviews and I was really passionate about it, now with my client work, I'll go like, well, what can I do better? So I'll look back at my past ones. I could, I could have lit that better. I could have spent five more minutes setting up the lights a bit better. So it was a little bit more professional. I should have run two audio channels on that one. I should have, you know, done a little bit more with the background. I should have moved that thing because I noticed it when I was on set. So it's more about what little things can I do even for these jobs that I'm not particularly like it's not an exciting thing that's going to end up on YouTube or Instagram or anything like that. But what can I do to deliver the best I can to the client? Because I want my clients to leave, like, I won't lie to you, I'm not cheap. So I want them to go like, yeah, he's a bit, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't speak to other photographers about my rates, but my rates, my rates. I don't want them to go like, oh, fuck, I didn't really get what I paid for there. I want them to yeah. go like, holy shit, like he's, he's worth, worth the, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. Um, so there's that external validation of if I nail it with the client and they're really happy, then that always feels awesome. Because yeah. even if I feel like I've absolutely nailed a job, I literally sent off some files this morning and on set with the people, they're like, I love it. These photos are amazing. This is so good. I was still nervous sending them off. Yeah. yeah. 
So there's always that doubt there. Mm. But for me, internally, it's being able to look back at my past. Like even videos a year, a year ago, I will look at them and cringe. <laughs> and at the time, it was my best video that I've ever done. Yeah. So it's really cool for me to be able to, and I said this to my girlfriend before, to be able to look back and say, and cringe, means yeah. that I've grown. Have, so if, yeah. And I'd, I'm nervous to look back in you know, a year's time from now, and if I'm not cringing, I'm not going, I would have done it differently like here and here and here, then I know I haven't grown at all as a professional and a creator, which is what sort of motivates me, just finding those little tiny things that make a big difference in the end of the macro scale of the, the content that I'm producing to just be better. That's where the validation comes from now because it's not as obvious as like, you know, you can compare videos from three months ago to now where it's like it's a totally different video and it's a totally different style and production quality is way higher. It's, it's very marginal. But for me watching it, and I don't even know if my clients notice it, it's just for me watching it, it really drives me to know that I am getting better. And that's a huge sort of motivation for me. How important is it to surround yourself with, I say, similar like-minded people? And I don't mean oh, other photographers, people who are like, well, like you and your partner, you know, Christy, like you guys are both similar-minded in terms of like what you want um, and driven. How important is it for someone who is wanting to, well, there could be a listener that wants to do something, yeah, but they're hanging out with the wrong people as such. Like they might, they might not be surrounded by someone else who it's is... It's being positive and yeah, encouraging. Yeah. Encouraging. Like, like how important is that? And was that important to you or did you, were you more Look, silent? I didn't, I didn't really have that until yeah. Christy came along. Yeah. Um, she's always been my, Christy is my girlfriend. She's always been my biggest supporter. She's always told me, she was the one that encouraged me to leave Cadbury because she saw how miserable it made me. So she was always the biggest supporter. I don't think I'd be where I was if it wasn't for her because she's the one that calms me down when I'm like chucking a hissy fit because the client's being a dickhead or <laughs> like I'm just like, I've, I've totally fucked this shit. I've, I've, I've like, they're never going to call me again. I'm never going to get a job, job from these people again, blah, blah, blah. She's just like, relax. Um, so she's been amazing for me. I don't think it's as important as people say to be surrounded with positive people. I think it's more important to cut out negative people. There will always be people that force their insecurities onto you in terms of, I couldn't start a podcast. I couldn't go do photography. I couldn't do this. And I got it on the way out from Cabri. People were telling me like, oh, I know a photographer and she doesn't do very well. She struggles to pay her bills, still lives at home and she's 35. I'm like, that like, I don't really know you that well for one. And what I do after I leave this company, I know you're not going to think about me again. Might come up at the water cooler two weeks from now, like, oh, I can't believe Ed left, blah, blah, blah. But you don't, you don't really care about me. So all you're doing is sort of shoving your opinion down my throat to sort of cover yourself mm. and your own, maybe those sorts of people that have got those negative opinions of what you do and how you do it are probably people with their own regrets 100%. somewhere along the same lines of 100%. like, oh, I wish I did this three years ago, four years ago, or I want to do this, but I don't really have the balls to do it. And that feeds into a... The thing for me, I just think you should always be internally motivated. doesn't matter what you do. If you're very lucky, you'll have people pushing you along and getting you through the hard periods. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to knuckle down and do the work. You're the one that has to make sure this is the right path for you. Like I said before, you can't, people can't feel what you're going through. Like they can be empathetic and compassionate towards you, but they can't feel what you're going through. So you're the only one that knows that maybe this path that you're going down, whatever it is, whether it's a passion that you thought you had and you Mm. decided to chase it, or that corporate job that you're not happy with, you're the one that knows if it doesn't feel right yeah. or if it's not what you want. So you have to be more internally focused in terms of like, is this what I really want versus listening to the people around you, positive or negative? Because sometimes yeah. there can be too much positivity. Agree. In terms of like, 
people don't want to tell you the truth of like, you know, hey, Dan, or hey, Way, like you're doing fucking something pretty stupid right now. Yeah. Or like you might be like, oh, I've just hired some bloke to do $2,000 a week of Facebook marketing. He's going to really like turn it around for us. And, you know, all of a sudden you're in 20 grand of debt and yeah. no one wants to tell you you're doing the wrong thing. Mm. Things like that can happen. So it's more about following your own intuition. And I always, I've always thought that because it's like at the end of the day, you're the one that wears the consequences. Somebody can tell you it's a really good idea or a really bad idea. If it's someone telling you it's a really bad idea, they're not the ones that have to go and do the work. And yep. They're not the ones that get the payoff. But if it's someone telling you it's a really good idea, they also don't have to wear the consequences if it stuffs up. So mm. it's really easy for me to say, you should do this or you should do this. You know, you shouldn't do this. But at the end of the day, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't wear the consequences at all. Yeah. So for me, I think it's really important if you are someone out there looking to do your own thing is go by your own judgment. Don't get pressured by anyone to have a timeline on anything because I'm someone that just dips their toe into things. And you can ask yep. my mum, I've always been like that. That's why I was at Cabri for two years while I was doing this. And it wasn't until a point where I was literally matching my income that I thought, all right, I'm going to do this. And I basically warned myself just out completely mm. that I just said, I'm going to make this jump. So it, for me, it was about following what I wanted to do and listening to myself because there was my dad saying, I don't think this is a good call. Mum was supportive but neutral. Um, I thought she probably wanted me to follow my passion because she knew how much I love it, but she was also worried in terms yeah. of financial stability. Mm. So for me, it was about what I wanted to do. So if I was to give advice to someone thinking like, what do I do? I'd say, just listen to yourself. There's always going to be someone that says, yeah, good idea. Someone that's going to say, no, this is a bad idea. And they're just talking from their own experience. At the end of the day, if you leave your corporate job and you stuff up and three months later, you need to find a new corporate job, shit happens. You won't even think about it 20 years from now. Yeah. It's just, it's peaks and troughs. But like ultimately that. you got to go with what you think's best for you. Hmm. And sometimes you're wrong. It's it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal as everybody makes it out to be. Yeah, that's yeah. so powerful. That's so many people going to get so much out of that. I, I think also think really well. I think if you fail once, that doesn't mean that's it either. Like yeah. you can fail twice and three yeah. times even. Like, you need to, don't you? Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, I really believe you need to fail. Yeah. Like it's, but I say that like, oh well, I've quit my job, but I've tried something and it's failed, and I'm just going to go back and that's it. Like, well, try something else. But wouldn't you rather like a knowing that you gave it a go and failed and living that what if the regret I'd, like that scares the shit out of me personally that's my biggest fear too yeah. Think, like imagine like it scares the shit it's one of the biggest motivators when i started like yeah. looking back in when i'm like mm. 65 70 i'm too fucking old to do anything and just going like oh what if i did that like yeah. i feel like you carry that stuff to the grave definitely for sure and that still scares the shit out of me mm. i'm glad you said that. I feel, that's literally my number one fear and there's nights where i sit there thinking about that and that's what drives me to take those chances. Even with this podcast, I mean, we've mentioned this a few times, but just taking this little step, like it was everything you've just said has resonated so well with me and going to resonate with all our listeners. How often do you actually have this conversation with people? Because I'm sure so many people look up to you. Is this a regular conversation you're... <laughs> little, <laughs> little smirk there. Yeah, little smirk. No, that was the way. I don't know about that. Like, do you have this conversation with people that are wishing they followed their passion they're still in that job they've got something on the side but they're not taking that step and if so is it frustrating when you might see through them that they've got the ability to do it but something's holding them back i've, I've uh, more recently as i've sort of been getting more established i've had a few junior photographers or people at uni um reaching out for help and just asking about how to do it so i don't i wouldn't say it's really in depth because it's all over instagram and um, email and that sort of stuff but I I just give them my sort of like path and the things I thought I did right versus what I did wrong. 
so I, I can't really say I have a conversation like this this in depth with many people, but it is important, and I wish someone had. Not saying that I'm just dropping absolute wisdom gems here, but it's just I wish I had someone to talk don't, to. Don't say that. You are. You are. No, yeah, like, no, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I wish I had someone to just, and that was something I probably did poorly at the start. I didn't reach out to people and just say, because for me personally, where I am now, it doesn't like frustrate me. It doesn't matter how busy I am. If a photographer messaged me on Instagram, like, hey, I really love your stuff. I'm still at uni. Um, happened the other day. Some girl at RMIT, she's like, I'm studying photography. Do you have any tips? Like, I should have done more of that. I think that's yeah. like really important to do. And just again, it's, it is surrounding yourself with the people that have done it rather than the people that might be in your life telling you yes or no or whatever it might be yeah. or people that are actually in it and have done the thing that you're looking to do or that mm. might be a couple of years down the path that you're looking to go. I think that's super important for you just to get that scope. So, but yeah, to answer your question, no, I haven't had that conversation a whole lot with people. And it's, yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure you find yourself you're always wanting to learn. Like it's an industry which is never, like you can never know everything. No. Can you? No. Well, it's just that new trend pops up and then you'll get a client going yeah. like, can you do this? And then you're like, well, I always yeah, I say can. yes. <laughs> yeah. I say yes and figure it out later. Yeah. I love that <laughs> yeah. approach. Such good advice. Yeah. I, I love that. Like I've got here, like evolution of growth. You've talked about that so much. You're always evolving. You're always looking at what you can do. I love the fact that you don't get complacent in what you're doing. You're looking to push yourself. I think that's just so powerful mm. for people to hear. How um how has your everyday life kind of changed since you've it's been two years you said like are you happy with how it's how yeah. it's changed yeah you know? as far as I'm concerned I'm living the best life yeah. I can yeah yeah like I'm so lucky with the people that I'm surrounded with um what I'm doing especially with the the big trip up to New South Wales that was huge explain for that me. yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. I got hired by New South Wales tourism well hired by a marketing company to go up and shoot for new south wales tourism for eight days which is a huge project and it's something that i've always wanted to do is travel and use my camera to you know make content and all that it's yep. just fucking awesome to be able to go like travel for eight days and get paid to go see australia like it was absolutely wicked and that was the biggest project i've done to date something like eighteen thousand photos just north of eighteen thousand photos and i think just shy of 40 hours of footage to go through like it's like, that poor memory card yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, and it's just like, it's so, that was something that I'd had on my list to do since I started. So to get that ticked off and be like, that happened was just so awesome for me. Like so awesome. And it's mm. been a massive confidence boost. Like I'm going away and sorry to my girlfriend again, <laughs> I'm going away to Hall's Gap for a holiday, but I've already started emailing businesses be like, hey, you guys want some yeah. photos done? And yeah. not so not so humbly um, going like, oh yeah, I've shot for New South Wales tourism. Love and, it, love yeah, it. You know, just plugging myself. So <laughs> it's sort of like, now that that's become a reality, it's sort of really stoked that fire and that's what I really want to do. Especially before uh, Christy and I settled down, I really want to go and travel the world when it opens back up yeah. and just see things and do things that I never thought I'd be able to do. I love it. So what what is, what is your grand plan? What is your goal? What would really make you happy for the next sort of five to 10 years? I know everything changes, but in your mind sitting here right now, what really drives you? What really excites you? Sort of this day, it's just being better uh, in terms of I want to... One thing that I've always loved about photography and videography, and this is why it is so special when it's done well, is that I can show you my perspective. This is how I've seen something. Or you can do that through your iPhone or your Android, whatever you're using. Mm. You can show people your perspective of how you see the world. You might not necessarily like it, but you can show that. So I want to 
go to places and see things and something that I spoke with Wade about right at the start is I wanted to take moments of meaning around the world. I wanted to do those documentaries around the world and I still do. Um, I had to stop it because I couldn't feasibly do Cabri, my business, and that at the same time. There literally weren't enough hours in the week if I wanted to sleep. Um, (laughs) So, and it's just been this thing of getting the business to the point where I can hopefully free myself up again to get back because I want to do a documentary about it. Um, I think it's an important conversation to have. I'd love to see you do a doco. Um, So, and ultimately that is probably one of my goals is to get into documentary filmmaking because there's so many awesome stories to tell out there and so so for me there's these sort of like this checklist that i've got that a lot of filmmakers probably do have in terms of like i want to shoot like a feature piece i want to shoot a documentary you know i want to travel and for the first time over these last few months it feels like i'm actually on the track to getting that so for me it's just i just want to keep growing i I just really hate the idea of looking back in five years five years and being my content is exactly the same as it was when i sat down with Mm. you boys yeah you know that would probably break my heart because it's like that means i haven't put in effort for five Mm. years essentially i've just been like yeah that's good enough yeah stagnant is not what you want yeah yeah is part of what you want educating others i've thought about it i know you do youtube tutorials and stuff like that yeah that's that to be honest that's more of a a business thing that's more of a uh not so subtly flexing how much i know yep so that was more of a business decision because i talked to another videographer who's quite established down here and i was i asked her why she did it because it's a huge investment to do one of those videos is about 12 hours of work yeah wow you know if you're chucking that on top and you want to do a weekly video of what you're already doing if you're busy already it's it's Mm. a lot of work you know that's why you guys don't take like one hour off on your friday to do your (laughs) podcast it takes a lot of work to do these things so for me, it's more like it's just a business thing of like, if I can, if I'm looking at three, so we're all videographers and you're looking at us three, but I'm the only one with the YouTube video where you can actually see me interact with you. You can pick up on what I'm doing. You can see my knowledge where you guys have just got cool Instagrams with nice photos and nice mm. videos. It's like, but I can get to know Ed a bit more. Yeah. So that was more of a business decision. Point of difference. Yeah, yeah. To be like, well, he obviously knows what he's talking about. He, I like the way he acts in camera. Or maybe they go, I don't really like how he's putting himself forward so no he's good but it's just that sort of extra layer of a client getting to know me before i they approach me yeah so yeah yeah that's awesome mate i'm I'm captivated again i just love what i love about this podcast i love just sitting down with people and just hearing perspectives i can hear the artist in you coming out like i just love just that thing you said with the with the phone like that's a perspective of someone like i haven't even thought of it that way and a lot of our listeners probably go oh yeah that's common knowledge but for me that's open my there are, there are a lot of photographers out there, aren't there? As in, like, everyone has a phone and everyone thinks they're, yeah. they're pretty good now, don't yeah. they? Like, but also, that as much as I'll make a joke out of that, that they'd either be laughed. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it is pretty... It's so amazing that yeah. we can pick up a phone and, and do that, you know? And you get to do that for a living, which is pretty bloody awesome. I, I want to ask you, how often do you buy new equipment? Because you mentioned, like, earlier, yeah, like... Um, a lot. Too much. <laughs> like, is it... Because, is it, you know, some of us have, like, you know, little... Um, you know, I've got mates who love shoes and they're always buying shoes. Yeah. I can imagine this hobby, or it's not a hobby, it's a business, it's a, business, it's a career. Yeah. But are you finding yourself, like I know you like your vintage lenses and stuff mm. like that, like you're finding yourself like buying little gadgets here and oh, that looks cool. Like not help, and Christy's going... Right the credit the card's going crazy. Like, <laughs> Luckily, she's a makeup artist, so she can't talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's got, there's fucking new makeup packets coming to yeah. her, her house every day. So it's this. The, there is a bit of a trend in the industry where when you start out, you'll see 
so like I'll do it on some of my things. I'll say what camera I've shot on, what lens and all that sort of stuff. But realistically, I'm doing it so the manufacturers see me because there is a point yeah. where you hit your big enough, they will just send you gear. Yep. So when you're talking about like a $6,000 camera just sent to you Heck just because, it's like, it's not a bad thing. No, you, not you at know? all. And that's like, like anything, like if you guys are smashing your podcast, all of a sudden, you know, Canon goes, we'll give you two cameras to film it and Apple reaches out difference. and goes like, yeah, you can have some laptops. Yeah. And you know, whoever like Rode goes, here's some microphones. It's like, not going to complain so for me there's this you sort of as a beginner you go like this videographer or photographer i really admire uses this gear so and i've got so if that's your scale i'm here they're using something here so i'm going to go buy until i can get there but then you get the gear and then you realize that it wasn't the gear at all it was their knowledge and just the experience that they've got under their belt. Gotcha. So then you're just sitting there on this mountain of equipment you don't need to use. So <laughs> yeah. it sort of goes like you get to this point where, and I did this uh, last year, not because of COVID or anything like that. I've just gone like, I've got this lens that I bought. I've used it once. Yeah. It's $2,000. Like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Um, and then you realize like I've got one lens that I will use for 98% of my shoots yeah. easily. And the other ones are very situational. So I just sold off all my gear and then I just realized I don't need it. So, yeah. and then you start, as you get more experienced, you... There's other things that you know that you need and there's all these things that you want that are actually going to provide value to you rather than yeah. just a shiny and new because the camera industry is very aggressive with their marketing for new stuff. Oh, and the, the YouTube thing is seen is just awful for it. Like every yeah. photographer, they get they get the equipment and they get paid on top. So it's like, you're not going to put a bad review out if you're getting, you know, so it's a bit... Yeah, the reviews, they're everywhere. Yeah, so, and you get caught up in it really easily. Yeah. So, but for me, it was a sort of a cycle of got all the gear, realized I didn't use most of it to solder off. So I've got quite a smaller kit and you start to invest things in things that aren't necessarily exciting. Lighting know, like, and things. Yeah, yeah, like which make more of a difference yeah. than, you know, I could make that camera compared to my i can make that camera look good with a good set of lights versus my camera yeah. with just you know a room yeah. yeah um it makes a huge difference so you sort of go through a cycle of need all the gear then it'll be better get the gear realize you're still shit <laughs> <laughs> I, then, I really love that advice because yeah. i reckon that sometimes it's like a podcast for example I, like people like i need to get all the gear mm. without without even or, or yeah, even, start with content yeah right? just yeah. start first i was i'm guilty i was one of those people like i always thought oh, i need to get all the gear i need to have this and have that before i start it well you don't like for one if you want to start a podcast grab your headphones plug them in your iphone and get voice memos up yeah you mm. know and I, I know for a fact that's what ed used to do in some of his human happiness stuff mm. he didn't have microphones doing the interviews he literally had the voice memos going on his phone and he put them to his videos mm. like you don't have to have. Is it dangerous, Ed? Like, if if you're if someone's starting out, going down the road, you're going. Oh, you've been down, and I'm on. Is it dangerous to get caught up in this whole area of firstly comparing yourself with people down the track, mm. or getting ahead of yourself with people that are further back, and then this whole battle for equipment, the whole marketing behind it? Is it can people get enough that they'll put them off pursuing it? I think so. Well, it's just like, so my full kit at the moment's cost more than a car so <laughs> if they're like i want to be like ed and then you go and if i send you a list of like this is everything you need like of course you're gonna go like nah i don't want that it and it's usually more out. it's more it's just like more <laughs> incremental than that but it's just like you don't need everything like the biggest piece for i'd say any industry the thing that really makes a difference is experience yeah so specifically to the camera thing what i always did is i'd use a camera up to probably about 60 percent of its capacity and then think i needed a new one before I could really start doing it. Mm. And it wasn't actually the camera that was anything wrong with it. It was actually my skills with the editing software and all that sort of stuff that was lacking. 
It's just better cameras make it easier to get the results that you want. So I've actually gone back and learnt new skills about something. So the thing that I'm really diving into at the moment is color grading, like trying to get like Hollywood style colors in my videos, which is possible with like sort of lower end cameras, like lower end, like the cinema cameras, a hundred grand each sort of thing. And I go back to my footage with the camera that I thought wasn't good enough to do that and apply the new techniques that I have. And it turns out the way I was envisioning it when I was doing that edit and the way I wanted it. So, so often it's not actually the equipment or something physical holding you back. It's more your knowledge and your experience. And I think, you know, I can, if I have my camera here today, I could walk out the door and drop it and it's gone. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to trip over and sprain my ankle and all of a sudden I forget how to edit a video. So you're better off investing into your own knowledge and your capacity to do things. And if I was to go like, if you are like really, really struggling for money and you you still wanted to do this, I'd go and watch every single video you could on editing and color grading and how to get the right things. And then you, you know, you get that job and then you go hire the equipment for the day, you know, get all your memory cards and all that sort of stuff. And then you go off and apply your knowledge and then you build it up that way. If you really wanted to do it Mm. like really cheap because your clients will pay for your equipment. So that whole idea that you need what that person has to do what they do is just false in terms of the physical things around them. What you need is their experience and that is just something that can't be skipped. Mm. You know, you can fast track it with a mentor or talk to people and sort of build up your knowledge that way, but there's no real way around doing the work. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. Like you can't, you can't fake experience. Great advice, yeah. Really good. Why not? I'd love to finish on just something pretty, probably a broad and vague question, but just something for to finish off with for someone that wants to start off, whether it's anything. Mm. Where where did like where do they begin? Like if 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 they've got a full time job, like work at a at my, like, you know work at a nursery, you know, and they finish work, they're knackered. Had this conversation with someone after work yesterday, and he's like, he loves writing. He's you know lyrics, um, poems, loves writing, creative writing. And he's absolutely knackered at the end of the day because he works at a nursery. And he goes, oh, oh, you know, I get home and I'm ready for bed. And I'm like, but he knows that writing is what he wants to do, mm. but he needs to pay the bills to then, like for someone like that, what, what, do you, what do you encourage them to do? Well, you don't have to do eight hours a day, every yep. day on top of what you're doing. You'd be amazed at how much you could do if you just did an hour a day after yep. work. That's not a huge ask, I don't think. Mm. Or I was listening to, a, watching a YouTube video the other day where this guy was just saying, I just write a page. It doesn't matter if it's shit or if it's really good. So for me, if I don't want to do an edit or even at the start, if I was like, I'm really tired, but I know I've got to do these edits, you know, to get me down that path to where I want to go. I'm like, all right, I'm going to edit five photos. Yeah. By the time you've done the five, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Yeah. So I would just say, just chip away at it. You don't need to do these mammoth things. And I think that's something that's really uh, for lack of a better word, toxic with this hustle and grind culture. Mm. There's nothing healthy about skipping sleep. Yep. You know, I did it, but I realized how much it, it screwed up my body when I slowed down. Like you don't need to skip sleep and all that sort of stuff. And you don't need to be a master in your field in six months. Like you can do an hour a day chipping away at what you mm. want to do. You can do whatever you're comfortable with. It could be 15 minutes. It doesn't matter. If, if, as long as you're moving the needle, then that's something to be proud of. You don't need to like we've been saying, you don't need to go by someone else's timeline. You don't need to be determined by society or the people around you about where you should be with what you're doing, especially if it's something that you love and you're passionate about and you want to make it into a career. There's nothing wrong with just doing, you know, an hour a day. Yeah. It's like, if you do that hour a day, 
by the end of the year, you're going to be doing a lot more than the people around you that might be telling you no, they're doing nothing a day. 100%. So, and you'd be, you know, even if it's like, you think about if you actually commit to like a full seven hours of doing work, that you're going to do that every single week. Like if you go, I'm sure you guys have had, there's just days where you're just really on point and you're just smashing out that work. You know, you do a lot in Mm. seven hours. So just do the hour, do the half an hour, do whatever you're comfortable with. Mm. You know, you don't need to do four hours, five hours if you're tired. Mm. Um, But I think just starting is a big one. Like there's so many scenarios in life all the time that, and I'm sure most people have come across it where you don't feel like doing something, but when you get to doing it, it's not actually that bad. Yeah. And you actually can find some sort of enjoyment. Yeah. Like I I just think you go on a laneway that first time, you know, how nervous and scared you were. And I'm sure you probably wanted to run the opposite direction when you were walking in. Yeah. But you just did it and look what come out of it. Look at you now. Exactly. So it's like, you know, and I just, I don't know. I just think you don't need to do everything now, right now. So if you're thinking about, I really want to do this thing, you know, it doesn't mean you sacrifice going out and seeing your friends. It doesn't Mm. mean you sacrifice sleep. It doesn't mean you sacrifice a healthy way of life or your lifestyle that you enjoy. You don't need to do these massive sacrifices. I think that's a lie. If you're really passionate about something, you can just chip away at it. It doesn't matter if you leave your job this week, Mm. next year, five years from now. You know, you don't have to be on someone else's timeline. So if you want to do it, Mm. do it at your own pace. You know, you don't have to be force down some rabbit hole about what you need to do and Love that. how you need to do it yeah really good it's awesome mate so much so much take home value today like i could i could just listen for hours how do um how does everyone find you like what so you've got youtube you've got instagram what's the handles instagram is edward.wisher we'll chuck it in the show notes yeah okay yeah good 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 because my name's hard well last name's german so yeah um yeah and youtube is the same Yep, so just Edward Wisher on YouTube. So and professional, if they want to get in contact, anyone. Uh, contact at edwardwisher.com. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Exactly, mate. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, guys. I, um, Appreciate it. I just it. want to quickly just acknowledge you because, mate, what you've done, even for me, I know we haven't really seen each other in the last year, but, um, you know, I've taken some steps amongst other things, and you know, we've had some many a conversation and deep conversation, and I just want to thank you because. On the public platform, you're you're a good man, and I'm, I love seeing what you're doing. You're doing really well. Thanks, uh, mate. I really no, appreciate it. No, no worries. All right, thanks, mate. Thanks, Ed. thanks, boys.